Jesus. Well, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon. Know that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, I'm here to share with you today. The Father says, I want to do a miracle. How many of y'all want to be a part of a miracle today? How many of y'all want to be a part of a miracle today? Hallelujah. He says, He says, I want to heal today. I want to heal relationships. I want to heal hearts. See, over the last few weeks, we've been we've been praying and we, he's been healing people physically. He says, but emotionally, he says, I need you to go in today. And he shared with this with me just before I came here. He says, I want to do something new in them today. See, this is the thing. Through everything that's been going on, every situation, every circumstance, I don't care who you are, how saved you are, how on fire you are, over time it begins to wear on you. And he showed me something this week and today that, I mean, when we get into it, you're going to be like, man, wow, that's what's going on. That's exactly what's happening today. But Father says this, he says, he says, he says in a quarter of Lamentations, chapter three, he says this in verse 22, he says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases for his compassions never fails or his mercies never fail. In fact, he says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God says, every single day you wake up, every time that you get up, he says, my mercies towards you are new every morning. He Then he asked this question, why can't you as my body of believers do that for one another? Why can't your mercies be new for other people, for others, just like my mercy is new for you every day? You know what mercy is? Mercy, another word for mercy is my compassions are new every morning. Do you know that the mercy that God had for you yesterday, when it hits midnight tonight, you're going to see receive a new mercy? He says, and why can't you do that for one another? He goes on to say, he says, the way I'm going to heal today is going to be different. See, most people believe that when God heals, the only way he can heal you is through somebody laying hands on you or somebody speaking a word to you or somebody prophesying over you or somebody making a declaration over you. He says, but the way I'm going to heal today is going to require you to do something. It's going to require you to be an active participant. He says, because if you walk out of here without participating in this today, or if you click off of here, not participating in this today, he said, what's going to happen is you're going to carry that same baggage, that same garbage, that same mess into tomorrow, into next week, into next month, into next year. And you're saying, God, why don't you do something about it? He says, I've been trying to do something about it, but you won't let me. See, I've I seen today that today, some people are going to receive a new heart today. Their old heart has been bruised, so he's going to make the great exchange with you today, and he's going to give you a new heart. Some people's emotions are going to be healed today. Some people's mind, will, and emotions are going to be restored today. He says in Psalms 23, he says, I, he restores our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And he says, and, and, according to, and this is how I'm going to do it. Are y'all ready? This is how he's going to do it. He says, turn to James chapter five. He says, my mercies for you are new every morning. So I'm not holding yesterday's faults against you. Today, you have a clean slate. Walk in the newness of life, which I've already made available to you in the name of Jesus. James chapter five. How is God going to heal your heart? How's he going to heal your emotions? How's he going to restore your relationships? How's he going to restore your families? How's he going to restore your communities? He says, I'm going to show you, and it's going to be a lot simpler than what you think. He says in James chapter 5, verse 13, he asked the question, is any among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointed him with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith 
will restore one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, he says all those things to get to this part. Therefore, confess your faults one to another. He didn't say your sins. Confess your faults. What are your faults? Your idiosyncratic ways are your funny acting ways. Some y'all are too touchy. Some y'all are too petty. Some, some people are, are, they got pride going on in their heart. Some people have unforgiveness going on in their heart. Some people are obsessed about things that aren't important. Some people are workaholics. Some people are alcoholics. Some people are on drugs. Some people, it doesn't matter what it is, confess your faults one to another and pray see there's 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 two parts to it you confess your faults one to another and then you pray for one another did y'all just hear that did y'all just hear that he said when you confess your faults to one another and then you pray for one another he says so that what's going to happen when you confess your faults what's and then you pray for one another what's going to happen he says that you may be healed. How's he going to heal you today? You're going to confess your faults one to another, and you will confess, uh, and you will, then you're going to pray for one another, and then you will be healed. Like a prime example, like if I'm talking to Minister Juin, Minister Juin, come here for a second. If I'm talking to Minister Juin, and I, we're acting this out, and we're and we're going to confess our faults one to another. Like if my fault is, hey, I spend too much time studying the word, and I don't always on date night. I may not always be fully attentive on date night. So then, when I would come to Minister Juan and says, you know what, Minister Juan, I apologize for the fact. You know, one of my faults is I spend so much time in the word. I don't confess. I don't focus as much on spending time in date night with her. So when I confess my fault to her, then what she's going to do, then she's going to take me by my hands. And then what we're going to do is we will pray for that person in a situation. Or if she has a situation says, you know what, sometimes I might get a little irritated with you or whatever, because you don't spend any much time with me. I can either go against her or what I can do is I can pray. For her. Father, I just forgive her right now in the name of Jesus. I don't hold any of it to her charge. Father, I'm asking you to show her how to, to better ex express it, Father God, and give me ears to hear that I may be able to hear it in a way that, that is meant to be heard so I can make whatever adjustments need to be made. Father, we both receive our healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. What just happened? You just cut the adversary off. He can't attack you. Because she, she was willing to expose herself to me. My response, pray for her. I expose myself to her. Her response, pray to me. Pray for me. What happens? We both get healed. Did y'all see that? You both get healed. He says, <laughs> then he says, <laughs> he says, then he says, the effectual prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. What happens when you refuse to fight with one another, but instead you pray for one another, you disarm the enemy. See, where there is no confusion, where there is no envy, where there is no, where there's no envy, where there's no strife, there's no confusion. The adversary is not allowed to have any, any evil works there because you have made the decision. I'm as opposed to talking against you, as opposed to cussing you out, as opposed to going off on you, as opposed to having my heart so closed. Instead, I'm going to pray for you. If someone in the congregation gets offended, the first thing we do is pray for that individual. Did y'all hear that? The first thing we do, they haven't confessed anything to us. We may know what's going on with them, but our thing is, you know what? I got a choice. I can pray for them or I can curse them. We choose to obey the word and 
pray for them. Praying for what? That they be healed. That they may be delivered. That their hearts will not be, be hardened. That they will not be resentful. Because when you are in offense, you are blind. You are paralyzed and you don't even know it. That's what offense is. It means you scandalize, you get trapped, and you don't even know you're trapped. But God says today, I want, uh, he says, I want to heal you. And just like I have given you new mercies every day, I'm, I'm telling you to give mercy, new mercies to other people. Imitate your heavenly father. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, imitate your heavenly father by walking in love one towards another and forgiving one another so if you if you know that there's someone you have all unforgiveness and bitterness towards just like we just acted out you know what hey i'm i'm not always good in this area i'm not making excuses for it i'm just not always good in this area i ask you to forgive me and i'm asking you to pray for me then that person until begins to pray for you and guess what happens it softens their heart, it also softens your heart. But if you come in with a hardened heart towards a person or an individual or a group of body or, or, or whoever it is, it could be towards your government, it could be towards your spouse, it could be towards your children, it could be towards anybody, you only have one heart. And if your heart is hardened in any area, it will be hard for you to clearly hear from God. you will be offended. And offense puts a, puts a callus over your heart. And even when God's trying to tell you what to do, you will not be able to receive it. So to receive your healing this morning, lift your hands and just say, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for all those who have despitefully used me, persecuted me, and spoken all manner of evil against me. Father, we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. We choose of our own free will to forgive them. And Father, we ask you to forgive us. For we also know that we have despitefully used, persecuted, knowingly or unknowingly against other people, Father God. We may have offended someone. We may have caused all. We may have caused someone to stumble. And right now, we're asking you to forgive us right now in the name of Jesus. We receive that forgiveness right now. We declare in the name of Jesus, we release them. And Father, you have, and we have been released as well. We declare that right now, we receive our healing from spirit, soul, and body from the crown of our heads to the very soles of our feet. Our relationships are restored. Our, our families are restored. Father God, our communities, our nation, our world is restored right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now we also pray for Ukraine right now in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against Ukraine shall prosper. Every tongue rose against them in judgment we condemn and find to be in the wrong. We declare a hedge of protection all around them. So Father, right now you are scattering their enemies right now. You're scattering Russia right now. You're scattering his plans, his plots, his schemes in the name of Jesus. They will fail and come to naught. Father, you have dispatched laborers into that field to bring forth, to bring forth the results which you have your will declares shall be so in that land in the name of Jesus. We declare it right now. Shalom, shalom, peace to the people of Ukraine right now. Even those who are in Russia who are petitioning, are protesting against this invasion, Father God. We pray for their shalom, peace right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, that even in the middle of the night, because you hold the hearts of kings in your hand, you turn the heart of Vladimir Putin right now in the name of Jesus in the direction to which you would have it to go. Father God, that your will will be done, your kingdom come, your will will be done in the nation of Ukraine, in Russia, Father God, and around the surrounding areas in the name of Jesus. We declare resources, relationships, and provisions are being released unto Ukraine right now in the name of Jesus, and we call it done. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Father, even concerning our land here in Canada, Father, I declare healing comes to our land. Healing and restoration comes to our land. Father God, we come against that spirit of division. 
That spirit of division is trying to divide a nation, divide a people, divide a country in the name of Jesus. For your word says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Therefore, we bind that spirit of division right now in the name of Jesus. We bind that spirit of fear that's been trying to operate in our nation, in our government, in our communities right now in the name of Jesus. We declare you will cease in your maneuvers and desist in your operations right now in Jesus' name. Father, I declare right now the body of Christ is rising up like a mighty army and will go forth and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom father god healing delivering setting people free right now in the name of jesus and a, a wave of the holy spirit is blowing across our nation even right now a wave of healing is flowing across our nations right now hearts are being healed father god relationships emotions families and communities are being restored right now in jesus name amen God is still on the throne. And as long as God is still on the throne, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. So God says, do not be weary in well-doing. Do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. Amen. Let's make this declaration and jump right in, in Jesus' name. Father, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because you have anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. You have sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, open to the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, and to give unto them the mourning design beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. Father, our preaching and teaching will not be on Tyson words of man's wisdom, but it will be a demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, have continue to have your way. Move up and down each and every seat. Touch each and every household. Touch each and every person watching by internet, by YouTube, listening to it on a podcast in the name of Jesus. Father, may you be glorified. The anointing is here to remove every burden, it destroys every yoke. Father, I thank you that you've given us ears to hear and eyes to see, and our hearts have been healed and are open and ready to receive the engrafted word that will ultimately change our lives forever. Father, for that, we give you glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now, God told me to let you know, last week we was talking about, I can see clearly now, when you understand what's going on behind the scenes, when you understand when things are playing out in front of you, people say, well, prophecy, 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 prophecy. God says, let me show you specifically, specifically, specifically what's going on in your land and in your nation and in your house. So if you heard the message last week, it will tell you, I can see clearly now. All the blinders come off. But he also told me to show you today, he says, if you only knew. That's the title of the message today. If you only knew. And he says, so he says, he says, I'm telling people, I'm telling them, I'm telling them, I'm telling them, I'm telling them, I'm telling them. And they still walking around like, bro, I don't know what's going on. So-and-so said this. So-and-so said that. This somebody did this. This this it. He says, if you will hear the word of the Lord is being spoken directly to you. See, in the Old Testament, they, they had prophets because the prophet and the uh, uh, king and the priests were the only one, unless you, there was a special task that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit sat upon for their office and for their task. So they did not have, the people did not have their luxury the same way we have it today. See, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit, one of his functions, one of his ministries is to show you things to come. But I'm going to show you today why you can't hear it. Y'all hear that? I'm going to show you today. Well, the Father's going to show you today why you cannot hear. He says, because if you only knew, you would stop doing what you're doing. And the reason why you cannot hear, can I tell you, is not the devil's fault. I know. Sit back. Stop jumping, Jerry. I got it, brother. Thank you. 
It is not the devil's fault. It's not. And God didn't just take a handful of people and say, I'm only going to tell them, and then they're going to tell everybody else. When you hear something, it should confirm what God has already said to you. It shouldn't be the first time you ever heard it. Because God, no prophecy is, is given by any private interpretation. This, he will tell you if you put yourself in a position to hear it. So if you only knew, <laughs> I love you. I'm going to say that from the beginning. I love y'all. And that's all we're going to say about that. Now, I want to let you know in accordance to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that God has a plan for your life. From the foundation of the world, God has a plan for your life. In fact, he said it this way. He says, he says, things, I'm reading out a New American Standard Bible. He says that things which eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and which have not even entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So God had already prepared things for you, for your loved ones, for your children, for your family members, for your community, for your province, and for your nation. When did he prepare them? From the foundation of the world. Who are they prepared for? For those who love him. How many people will be able to see though? The ones who love him or who are submissive to him or obedient to him. Now, people said people were usually read that said, man, it's great. God has great things planned for my life. But God says this. He says in verse 10, for to us, God has revealed them through thrilled them through the Holy Spirit for the spirit. The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So many people say, well, God has things prepared for me. Why don't I see him yet? Because you have not asked the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you if you ask him. James chapter four says, you have not because you ask not. I don't have it. Why don't I have it? And I'm going to ask you the question. When did you ask him? Well, I ask him all the time. Why am I here? No, the, you're asking the wrong question. Lord, what is your purpose for my life? One of the things about Ignite, one, we have three points that we say. We, we say, you're going to know God. We're going to help you to know God. We're going to help you discover your purpose, and we're going to help you to ignite your generation. So in it, through all the teaching and preaching that goes on here is to, is to accomplish those three points to help you to know God, to discover your purpose, and to ignite your generation. Now, if God has a says that he already has things prepared for you, don't you want to know what God has prepared for the land that you're in? Don't you want to know what God has prepared for what's going to go on in your household, in your neighborhood, in your province, and your nation? Well, I'm glad you asked us. I'm going to share it with you today. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. If you're in the body of Christ today, if you're a member in the body of Christ today, I'm going to share with you what God's purpose and plan is for the land. Remember, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth or in the territory on earth or in that territory, just like it is in heaven. So your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done in my home. Your, your will be done, your kingdom come on my job. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my province. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my nation. God says, I already have a plan. I said, God said, I already have a plan. See, you too many people are trying to come up with the plan. And God says, if you just come and ask me, I already got the plan. I can say you a whole lot of time. How many people ever know somebody went to university and they went to university saying they wanted to do one thing and then they got into the university and realized that that's not what they wanted to do at all. And then they changed their major to something else. I know this is gonna be funny to y'all, but when I first started in university, I wanted to be, a psych be in psychology. I know, right? psychology and I started out on that road that first year Dr. Jerry and I started going to those preliminary classes intro to psychology and all that other stuff and I was like man if I stay in this thing long enough I'm gonna need a psychologist because this thing was crazy is it anything against psychologists no but psychologists only deal with two parts 
of the man. Even though you are a three-part being, it only deals with two components. See, when God created you in accordance to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23, it says, you are a spirit who lives in a physical body that possesses a soul. Now, your soul is your mind, will, and an emotion. When psychology deal with you in a secular psychologist will only deal with you on two of those points. They're going to deal with your body and they're going to deal, try to deal with your, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And in most cases, they will ask you, how do you feel about the situation? And you just keep rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing the same old thing. Again, you get a little scab on it. And as soon as it begins to scab, then they peel the scab off the next session. And then you, by the time you go home and, and then you, you don't know why you still mad at Uncle Bobby and you still upset with Sister Mary and you want to cuss everybody out. And if that don't work, then they'll put you on medication. And the medication did not solve the problem. It just caused it to be dormant. So when I was a psych major and everything, I'm like, man, I got to get out of this. Now, I was born again, but I didn't know God like I know him today. Uh, but I knew, man, that was not for me. So I got into the medical field and I started going to medical field and I realized, I mean, I kind of like this stuff. So, you know, my mom was like, you're very good at that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I started around that room. And then all of a sudden I got into prosthetics and orthotics, which was a God thing because I didn't know nothing about no prosthetics and orthotics. In fact, my boy who used to work at prosthetics and orthotics, I used to call him the dollhouse the doll maker, because I thought they just had like legs and stuff hanging out. You just pick one you like and put it on. But I found out later that's not what it is at all. So when I went to school, I went to university and I got a degree in uh, kinesiology, which I didn't even know there was a such word as kinesiology, Dr. Jerry. At the time I went to school and everything. But, you know, so I started down one road and found out that's not what I want to do at all. But God says, I already have a plan for your land. And you got people out here and churches out here trying to do a whole lot of stuff. And God said, but that's, you're not operating according to the plan that I have. Amen, preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, and the plan is this. In accordance to Jeremiah chapter one, verse nine says this. Then the Lord put forth his hand. And he touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So you don't even have to come up with the words to say, because the father says, I will put forth my words in your mouth. I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. And what is he expecting you to do as a man and woman of God who's operating according to the kingdom of God? He's expecting you to root out and to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down what? Kingdom of darkness, the world's way of doing things, things that do not line up with the word of God. Where does he expect you to start? In your own heart, in your own house, in your, because guess what? You cannot give out what you don't have. You cannot give out kingdom of God ways of doing things if you don't already have it in your heart. When God comes in and he wants to change a nation, he does not change a nation like Vladimir Putin is trying to do and just come in by force and just try to take it over with military force. The way he does it is by changing the hearts of the people and sowing in their hearts, building up and planting in their hearts the kingdom of God. So if you want to change your nation for real, for real, you got to sow the kingdom of God into the hearts of the people. If you do not do it that way, then what's going to happen is they may have a bumper sticker on it that says, hunk, if you love Jesus, but they're still going to operate a whole lot of times just like the world does. Why? Because they're still operating according to kingdom of darkness, our world's way of doing things. That's why he says in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned after this world. Don't model your behavior after this world. He says, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that you may prove once and for all what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Who has to renew your mind? Does God renew your mind or do you renew your mind? That's not a rhetorical question. That's really a question. God does not renew your mind. You renew your mind when you get into the word of God. What you're doing right now, 
sitting under this word is beginning to renew your mind. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe it's verse 1, it says, he says, uh, uh, feeding on the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The more you, you feed on the word of God, the more you will grow in the things of God. If you do not feed on the things of God, you will not grow in the things of God, even if you show up to church every Sunday. It's not enough for you just to hear it if you're not going to do it. Y'all missed the good blazes. Amen. Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. Now, what else did he say? He says, now I told you I have a plan for your life. Now I told you what that plan is. What is your part? I'm so glad you asked. Ooh, stop it already. You Stop it. He says this. He says, what is your part? Second Corinthians chapter 10 tells you what your part is. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four tells you, he says, for we, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. I'm reading out of the Amplified. So you are in a battle, whether you can see your enemy or not, whether you realize that you have an adversary or not, you are in a battle every single day. And he has one agenda. And according to John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, the thief, your adversary, only has an agenda. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal the word of God, kill your dreams so that he can destroy your life. But Jesus says, but I came. This is what he's going to try to do. But Jesus says, but that I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So what's your part in it? You may ask, Doug, here it is. For the weapons of our word for are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God. Prayer is a weapon. The word of God is a weapon. Praise and worship is a weapon. They are mighty before God to the overthrow and destruction of what? Didn't we just talk about tear down, pull down, uh, all that? Then didn't we just say that? Didn't he just say that earlier? That you're gonna pull down, tear down, break up, all that? What are you gonna do? You're going to overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. What are strongholds? Fortified patterns of thinking. You have good strongholds and then you have demonic strongholds. Then those demonic strongholds are worldly strongholds will keep you operating according to the system in the world until you do something different, until you overthrow it, until you pull it down, until you cast it down. It goes on and says, until we refute or put off, what, what do you have to put off? Arguments and theories and reasonings and every high and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the word of God. So it says, you as an individual, when you use the weapons that have been given to you to overthrow and for destruction of fortified patterns of thinking, you are to put those wrong thoughts, theories, and reasons, those wrong arguments, those wrong theories, those wrong reasonings, and everything, even your own, your own reasoning. Because people in the body of Christ have done a lot what the world does. They have begun to reason what makes sense to them. But just because it makes sense to you does not mean it's operating according to the kingdom of God. I know, and I'm sure we're going to have time. I'm going to share with you how that goes on. He says, so I need you to, you individual, I need you to put off these old patterns of thinking. If you, somebody says, man, I'm sick, and that, I'm always going to be sick. My mama was sick. My daddy was sick. My mama died of heart disease. My cousin died from heart disease. That means I'm going to die from heart disease. That's a theory. That's an argument. That's a reasoning. But it exhausts itself against the knowledge of God because the word of God says that by Jesus stripes, you're healed. So what do I do when I have a wrong pattern of thinking? How do I put off these old patterns of thinking? How do I tear those things down? Well, you got to replace it with something new. Remember, you don't be conformed to this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can find out what is God's good, perfect, and acceptable will for that situation. Somebody says, my mama died of heart disease. What do you say? I bind that thought up in the name of Jesus and I cast that down. I declare that by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. 
what did you just do? You just refuted or put off that old way of thinking and you took upon you the new God's way or God's kingdom of God way of thinking. What his nature, his culture, his lifestyle. There's no sickness and disease in, in the kingdom of God. There's no poverty and lack in the, in the kingdom of God. There's no offense in the kingdom of God. There's no selfishness in the kingdom of God. There's no bitterness and resentment in the kingdom of God. So if there's none of those things in the kingdom of God, and if you're born again, the kingdom of God is in you, then why do you let those things allow, allow those things to operate in your life? Are y'all listening to me? Because see, every if you want to change your situation and circumstance, you have to do something. You can't, the pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and all that have been saying, you ain't got to do anything. God's already done everything. He, he may have finished the works from the foundation of the world, but you have to cooperate with him for you to see the manifestation of it in your life. How do you know that? Genesis 8, 22 which says as long, as long as the earth remains cold in summer, cold in winter, hot and cold, seed, time, and harvest shall not cease. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. If you sit there and do nothing, you will receive nothing. You have to cooperate with God. He set the system up that way. Do you know why you have to pray? You don't pray because it's a religious thing to do. You pray to give God authorization to, to intervene into your situation or circumstance. But even after you pray does not mean that you don't do anything else because when you're in prayer, you're going to find out there's some things he's going to require of you. But if you're going out just doing a whole bunch of stuff just because you believe it's the right thing to do does not mean that you're doing it according to the kingdom of God. When I hear people say, well, God told me this, God told me that, God showed me this, God told me that, the first thing I ask them is, show me in the word where it says that. Because God would never speak to you apart from his word. So show me in the word where he said that to you according to his kingdom. And most people just look at you with a deer in the head like, well, that's what I believe it says. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You can't, it's not about what you believe is it. What did it say? God told me to go down there and cuss them out. Okay, good. So show me in the word where it says that. Because I can show it to you in the word where in Ephesians chapter four, when it tells you, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. When you cuss them out, did it minister grace to them? Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Calm it down already. Calm it down. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you the word of the Lord, and then I'm going to show you a couple things, and then we're going to be finished. The word of the Lord said, this is what he said. He said this the other day. He says, how long, how long, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God is God, then serve him. But if Baal be God or whatever other ideologies or idols you worship, then serve them but you can't serve both. He says this, he said, he says, I've already told you that you're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Yet your focus and attention is still on flesh and blood. This is for our nation. He says, for your freedom convoy, was an outward demonstration of what was supposed to be going on in the spirit. He says, your battle was to be against the world government in the spiritual realm, for the battle has to be won there before anything happens in the natural. But you have not seen, you have not seen it that. He says, you've been so busy about many things, but gaining very little in the in the establishment and expansion of the kingdom of God, which is your first assignment. I said to go out and make disciples, teach them what I have taught you, which is the kingdom of God and the love of God. But you have not done that, what I have given you to do. You've made up your mind that the battle has to be won in the natural while you let the kingdom lie dormant. 
just as Martha was busy about many things, so have you been busy about many things. But the needful thing is what Mary has sought. And many of my people have left the needful thing for all kind of things I haven't told them to do. They stop coming to they stop coming to do other things and don't realize they're running on fumes and vapors and don't can't defeat the very adversary they are called to maintain is defeat. So repent and get back under my word and get the needful things that I've instructed you to do and learn how to overthrow the kingdom of darkness in your land and establish the kingdom of God like I've already commanded you to do, says the spirit of grace. So choose, choose, choose you this day whom you will serve for the time of visitation draws near, so harden not your hearts. He says this in, in, in talking about the situation with, with Mary and Martha in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. He says, what is the needful thing? What is the needful thing? He says this, he says, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. He says, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? Then tell her to help me, but the Lord, who said this? The Lord said this and answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. So Martha was doing all this work, but what did Jesus tell her was the needful thing? Sitting at his feet, getting the word. You can be doing a whole lot of things in your flesh. And I know a lot of people don't like his, but you know what though? I have an assignment to preach the word. And I'm gonna preach what he tells me to preach no matter what. And the reason why you, why, you tell, why you tell people the truth is because you love them. Does that mean they're going to like it? No. You, everybody here has children. When you tell your child to do something, they may not like it. But because you love them, what will you do? You're going to tell them. Because if you don't tell them, it's a demonstration. You don't love them. Now, people say, well, what do you talk about? What, what you talk, what's the needful thing? Why do I need to get the needful thing? Well, Hebrews chapter 10 tells you why. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Hope is earnest expectation with good without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assemblies together as, in, as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the days drawing near. Why is it that he says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together? It's not just so, yeah, so you can get the word so you can understand what your assignment is, but it's also to make sure that you are demonstrating love one towards another, encouraging one another, because you don't know who's going through what. You might be going through some stuff and God might have a word for you, but, you, but you're so busy like Martha doing other things and you are not even in position to receive it. Can I, I'm gonna show you this part with you and this is where we're gonna stop. I'm gonna share it with you three strategies of the enemy that he's using in the world, but he's also using in the body of Christ three strategies. One of them you already heard, distractions. You're distracted. 
you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're going here, you got this going on, that going on, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, God says those are distractions. What's a distraction? Webster 18.28 says a distraction is this, the act of distracting or drawing apart separation. Confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding on the mind and calling the attention to different ways. So what did Jesus say? One of the issues was going on. What, what the body of Christ needs to do, you need to begin to pull down thoughts and theories and reasoning and arguments that exalt themselves again above the knowledge of God. You have so much information. We was talking about this the other night in class that the adversary is not concerned about you having information because he knows you have, for two reasons. One, just because you have information doesn't mean you have revelation. And two, even if you have the information, you are not going to follow through on the information. Or even if you have the revelation, you won't follow through all the way to completion. We talked about this the other night as well. There's five, there's four types of grounds and only 25% of the people who hear the word will get a result, not because of God, but because of what they do with it. Some people like they do tonight, that they're doing today. They like, I don't want to hear that. The first group, you teach, you give them what the word of the Lord says. They like, I don't want to hear that. So the adversary just comes and takes it. Yep, I ain't got to do nothing to them because they didn't receive it in the first place. Then you have another group of people. They're going to, they'll hear the word. They'll even receive it with joy. But then when persecution comes from other people or affliction, test trials and tribulations come, they become offended. So they let the word go. So they don't, get, they don't see any result. Then the third group of people are those who they'll hear the word, they'll receive the word, they'll even begin to walk it out. But when cares of this world, deceitfulness and riches and lust of other things come in and begin to crowd it out, which are called distractions, it chokes out the word and brings it to no, brings little, not, it doesn't bring it to full maturity. But then there's a fourth group who will hear the word, They'll receive the word. They'll go through the test. They'll go through the persecution. They won't get distracted by the cares. They won't be distracted by the lust of other things. They won't be distracted by the riches of this world. And they'll hold on to that word until they see the final manifestation of what it is that word says. Who decided what they was going to receive? Them or God? They do. Who's going to determine whether you're going to see what God said he has for your life? You are. God already made up his mind about you. Remember, he says he's already prepared things for you. He's already finished the works from the foundation of the world. But you can walk out of here tonight, or you can click off of here tonight, or you can cut it off right now in your offense, in your hard-heartedness, and walk out the door with nothing, even though he's speaking to you. I'm going to show you. So the first way the adversary tries to get you is through distraction. The other way, and it, I've seen it happen with the world when it comes to like same-sex marriages, when it comes to abortions, when it comes to uh, uh, euthanasia, when it comes to all kinds of things that try to exalt themselves against what the word of God says. The other way he uses is called propaganda. Propaganda, what's propaganda? Propaganda is a campaign to get you to compromise. You didn't stop the word, but you compromised on what the word says. And he says, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ doing this right now. They're compromising. So what he does is he takes information. Comp prop uh, propaganda is, a, is information, especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. Through propaganda and the whole point of the propaganda is to get you to compromise where you don't even call sin sin anymore you don't call sin sin anymore ah well it's just a bad habit oh it's just a disease no it's still sin we get upset about same-sex marriage when people get upset about about this about that but god gets upset about you lying 
God gets upset about you exaggerate. God don't like when you walk in pride. God don't like when you are arrogant. God don't like it when you un, you don't you're not walking in forgiveness. God doesn't like sin is is not walking in love. It's still sin. We don't call it that. You know, I, I had this issue that I'm dealing with. No, it's still sin. And until you call it that, you won't address it as such. Now, does will God forgive you? Has he already made forgiveness available to you? Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you three ways in which they try to, he uses propaganda. One, propaganda is used um, to, which it relies on emotional manipulation. When they're using propaganda, it's all about emotions trying to manipulate your emotions to the point, the second point, they'll even use lies to be able to do it. Third point is, it's so subjected and it's a one-sided, one-sided information. The media does it, social media does it. Can I tell you something? Even people, even so-called, I'm, I'm standing for the Lord and everything, they use it to skew for their own own benefits. I've seen it going on during, during COVID. The government used it. People in the body of Christ used it. Researchers used it, propaganda. Everybody just keeps telling you, 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 how does faith come? Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Can I tell you something else? When you're walking around in that unforgiveness, bitterness and resentment, the adversary is using the same thing with you. He's telling you the same lie over and over and over, and it's always talking about your side. It never talks about the other person. I always talk about what that other person did that, that, that you don't like. It's he didn't do this, and he should have done that, and if he really loved you, if they really thought this about you, if they really valued you on your job, then this is what they would do, and this is what they would do. It's all one-sided. And it always manipulates your emotions. So he uses distractions, he uses propaganda, and the third one is this, he brainwashes you. He's using brainwash. That's why when you're talking to people who are outside of the body of Christ, and heck, even those who are in the body of Christ who don't ever read their Bible, are those who halfway read the Bible, who got so much dust on it, when you blow the dust off of everything, you got to open up the windows and let all the dust out your house. How does brainwashing work? What's the purpose of brainwashing? To get you off the kingdom of God and keep you stayed on the kingdom of darkness. It's a systematic effort to persuade non-believers to accept a certain allegiance, command, or doctrine. It's targeted at non-believers. And see, because they don't, because they, they don't, believe God's word anyway, they just keep bombarding them with the same lie over and over and over again. Three ways that they do it is they, first of all, they try to desensitize you to stuff. Like when I used to work at the emergency room, when I used to work in the emergency room, Dr. Jerry, I used to see so much trauma so often, so frequently, just coming, constantly coming for 12 hours. After I worked there for a few weeks, I was totally desensitized to it. What might've been like shock and awe to me in the beginning, after a little while, it did not phase me at all. Why? Because I was desensitized to it. It exposed me to it until it changed my norm. That's the same thing they did when they introduced same-sex marriage. They kept bombarding, bombarding, bombarding with, in Hollywood and social media and commercials to the point that it's not even an issue anymore. They did it with the same thing with the vaccine. They did it with the same thing with the COVID restriction. They did it with the same thing about the freedom convoy. Then the media kept bombarding, kept bombarding, kept bombarding to the point that you became desens so desensitized to you that when you seen something that was wrong, you didn't call it wrong anymore. Then they use another technique, uh, Doug, it's called jamming.
That's when they, they jam it means where they actually talk about one issue and one group and compare it to a, a something that's horrific. Like, hey, you know, there's people who, who don't like, uh, don't, you know, they have issues with this particular government. Well, if you don't like this particular party, they say, well, if you're in this group, then that means you're also tied to a white supremacist group. If you don't like this group, uh, if you don't have this, if you have this view, then you must hold the same view as these people who are killing people. They try to jam it into you to the point where you stop seeing anything. And the third one, their ultimate goal is conversion. Their ultimate goal is to to manipulate your emotions, lie to you so much get you so subjected to one-sided information, make you so desensitized, jam you with so many different theories and to the point that you convert over to their way so that you don't get chastised, persecuted, or hated. But that's not what God called us to do. God called us to teach people the kingdom of God. God told us to live, live, as representatives of his kingdom, no matter what. The, all those who will live godly will suffer persecution. There's no way you're gonna get around it. What does persecution means? Rejection. People gonna come up against you. People gonna talk about you. People ain't gonna like you. People gonna call you, a, they gonna call you all kind of names. Do you know the word Christian is only used in the Bible one time? At the church of Antioch, it was, it was by pagans. That's why when the world says you're supposed to be a Christian and they try to tell you what a Christian is supposed to be about a God they have no true knowledge about. You know what we're called? Followers of Jesus. We are, we are children of the most high God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. That's what we do. We represent the kingdom of God. We represent God's culture, God's lifestyle, his nature, God's way of doing things. That's who we are. And if you only knew what the adversary was trying to really do, which we just exposed to you today, then you would open your eyes and realize, man, I've been hoodwinked. I've been bamboozled. I don't got, I don't, he don't ran, the, he don't, he don't ran a trick game on me and caught me up in the trap. But God says I made a way of escape. Cause remember we said in John 10, 10, that the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. He says, the decision is yours. I've already laid out to you. I already have a plan for you. I've already told you what that plan is. I've told you what your part is, is it's pulling down those old way of thinking and then replacing them with my way of thinking. I've already told you how the adversary is, what his MO is. He keeps you so distracted and barbarded with propaganda. Even that stuff you see on YouTube, a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube and it's keep feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, feeding you. Guess what's it called, ladies and gentlemen? Propaganda is the same trick. It's just used with different information. And if that information does not line up, line upon line, precept upon precept, in the proper context with the word of God, you are to do the same thing it is that he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Pull that stuff down, put it off, and line up your actions, and line up your lifestyle, and line up what goes on in your house according to the kingdom of God. The body, there's people in the body of Christ doing it every day. I've seen somebody today says his prophecy is 100% guaranteed going to happen. 100%. But then there's 10 other people, 15 other people on there who say the exact same thing. But they're not all saying the same thing. The surest form of prophecy is the testament of Jesus Christ. This is gonna happen, that's gonna happen, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. Yeah, 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 you know where it says that at? Where's, you know where it says that at? In the word, you know where it says that at? You know where it says it at? Am I against prophecy? No. Is God against prophecy? 
No. Is this all about prophecy? No. We're talking about how people are using the same tactics as the adversary is using to get their point across. Hypersensitizing so much that you are like a yo-yo. You up one minute, down the next minute, up one minute, down there, and you don't even know what's going on with you. And your emotions are all over the place. And you are mad at the whole world. And you can't receive correction from anybody. And when somebody corrects you, you get offended, which paralyzes you. And the only person it hurts is you. It doesn't hurt anybody else. I've been corrected. Heck, I got corrected today. I didn't get offended. Okay, I need to make an adjustment. Some people in the body crisis right now, it's so hard. When you even say the C word towards them, they go into defense. They already ready to fight. And God's like, I can't take you any further because you won't receive correction. I can't take you any further because I'm trying to tell you to stop what you're doing and you have made up in your mind, I'm going to do it my way. And your way doesn't line up with his way. So you can't get mad at God if you don't see his results, if you haven't even made a decision to do it God's way. The first thing you got to do is submit to authority. Then the power comes. Submit to the authority of his word. The power will come. In James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But what's the first thing you got to do before he'll flee? You got to submit to God. If you're not submitted to God, you can be casting and binding until hell freezes over and you ain't going to see anything because you're forgetting the first part. And the first part is submit, which means whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to do. I trust God enough that if he tells me, he tells me to take the same message and take it down to parliament tonight and preach it until they come back in session, you know what we're going to do? Preach the same message. Why? Because it's his truth. And he tells you the truth because the truth makes you free. So if you have never received Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, you like to, I'll give you an opportunity to do that tonight. See, the only way that you can get become a member of the kingdom of God is you have to be born again. John chapter three, verse 16 says, if you could, um, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. What is this all about? If you can see clearly, if you only knew, if you only knew all the tricks that the adversary was using to keep you bound up in that same addiction, in that same habit, in that same reckless relationship with your situation and circumstances. Or you've, been, you've been praying so much, spit fire and slobber all over the place, and you ain't seeing nothing. God says, I'm telling you, this is what's going on. You're distracted. Don't be like Martha. Don't be so worried about everything so busy about everything that you neglect the needful thing and being the needful thing is not just sitting just sitting on a on, on a Saturday afternoon for us or on a Sunday morning but the needful thing is what kind of prayer life do you have throughout the week what kind of study time do you have throughout the week not just listening to somebody else preach at you, but you opening up your Bible and beginning to read the word for yourself and find out what does the word of God say to me? Because God will talk to you just like he talks to me. Only difference is, is I spend time with him. God's not a respected person. Holy Spirit is a person. He's with you everywhere you go. He'll talk to you if you will talk to him. But if you ignore him, he will just sit there dormant and say nothing. Even though he's trying to get a word in edgewise with you and you won't stop being concrete, cranial, a.k.a. hard-headed. And we all been there. 
So nobody, you know what a pastor does? A pastor is anointed to get in your business. Why? Because he loves you. You know what apostles, or prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers do? Are anointed to get in your business because they love you enough to tell you the truth so you can grow up and do the work of the ministry. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, except those who have been assigned, nobody walking or talking, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior right now. How do you do that? It's as simple as Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, which says the word of God is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach, that you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. But with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if you pray this prayer, confess it with your mouth, mean it from your heart, man, you will, be, you will be in the kingdom of God right now, and then you will begin to learn how to operate according to the kingdom of God. Say with me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me now. I repent of my sin and I receive your offer of forgiveness. I'm now born again. I'm now in the kingdom of God. I'm now filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongue. In Jesus' name, Amen. So what do you do now? Man, you got to get in a word-based church. We'll teach you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Teach you about the kingdom of God and also about the love of God. We believe Ignite is the place for you, a.k.a. the ID Center. Ignite is definitely the place for you. So we'll be here every Saturday at 5 p.m. in the fabulous city of Greeley, right outside of Ottawa. We'd love to have you join us. We also, if you're too far away, we're also online. You can get catches on YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, in Jesus' name, or on our website at ignitetolife.com. And if if you if you heard it today, but you you need to listen to it again, which you do need to listen to it again, uh, you need to listen to it at least three or four times to make sure you heard everything that the Father said according to his word. You can find us on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Listen to our podcast again at Ignite to Life, uh, Ignite to Life uh, podcast, and you can find this and many more uh, messages on there. On behalf of Minister Juwin and myself and the entire uh, ID Nation, we want to thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.